Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. Today, I am joined by Claire Milner, who is the Senior Vice President EMEA for Business for Kinaxis. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be I here. Appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and uh, your journey so far? Well, I mean, as a, as a person, I've been in IT for well more years than I care to remember now, probably over 25. But um, yeah, I've been selling software solutions for um, a long period of time, um, usually working with companies that are really helping them transform their businesses, whether that was um, getting a single view of the enterprise 15 years ago when we were looking at middleware and those kind of solutions, or now it's a single view of the supply chain and, and really looking um, end-to-end and getting visibility about what's happening in your supply chain, which is uh, one of the reasons um, I very happily joined Connexus a couple of years ago. It's it's kind of hard to to have a chat without going into coronavirus, you know, because yeah. we're all living this at the moment. It's kind of our new reality, isn't it? But at the same time, there's so much to talk about uh, outside of that. What's your view? What's your take on the transformation that's happening? You know, what supply chain leaders are going through right now? Supply chain leaders are, in my experience, dealing with disruption every day. Whether you know, COVID nineteen is is one of those um, disruptions that I guess is making supply chain a bit more public. It's a very extreme example. I think uh, the, the reactions and the, the volatility it's creating in demand and supply is, is impacting everyone everywhere, um, which is a, maybe a more unique situation for, for supply chain leaders. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it just it brings to the fore really how disruption is the new norm. And we were talking, you know, we, we talk about that often these days. It's, it's, it, I think it's so disruptions have been happening for the last, the la, well, over the last 10 years, we've seen what? We've seen the Icelandic volcanoes, we've seen the explosions in Japan, we see um, port strikes, we see bankruptcies in suppliers. I mean, there's a whole range of disruptions that supply chain leaders are having to deal with. And I just, I almost hope that now that supply chain and its, and its impact on society, on the bottom line, on shareholder value, has now got board level um, visibility. And I think that will help a lot of supply chain leaders drive the transformation that um, they've been trying to achieve for a while. And you really, you know, they've really needed that top-down mandate for change. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, supply chain leaders by default, I think, are trained in how to handle different types of crisis. They're hit by different types of uh, world events, geopolitical events, economic events, what have you. Obviously, COVID-19 is something unprecedented and it's not overly dramatic to say we are definitely in uncharted territory here. For sure, yeah. But how, how does an executive, a supply chain leader, plan for the unplanned? You know, how, it's kind of hard to do that, isn't it? It is, it is. But I, I suppose we would say that um, every optimized plan is wrong the moment it goes live because something somewhere has already changed. And that's kind of the nature of, of the world we've been living in for a long time. You don't, I don't think you have to plan for the unplannable. I think the predictable presumption is, is no longer, um, should no longer be the new norm. It's about being agile. You know, we have customers of ours who talk very much about over the last 10 years, 20 years, we've, we've spent all of our focus optimizing things and assets. And what we really should be optimizing now is time. And it's about making, you know, if you can be infinitely agile, 
then you don't need to be infinitely accurate, even though it would be great to be both, because you can make decisions with the full range of information with all of the connected trade-offs and pivot and pivot towards opportunity or pivot away from danger, as is the case right now, and, and do that on a regular basis, you know, being able to replan your entire end-to-end supply chain every couple, you know, twice a day if necessary, um, in order to make sure that um, all of this volatility can be can be managed as best as possible. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to uh, to think about the fact that we kind of before all this happened, we had an old way of doing things, mm. and now there's the new way of doing things. So, what's the difference between the old way and the new way, or maybe the old supply chain and the new supply chain? I think the old the old way has has been around for a really long time, and it would be familiar to everyone. It's this cascaded approach to to making decisions. It's about you know the different parts of the supply chain have been connected, but they've been loosely coupled, and the KPIs that drive those businesses are being have been focused on as individual business silos, which means there's always latency between those decision making points. You know if you have an end to end supply chain, in reality, it's fully connected. And if something happens on one part of that chain, you should, be inst- you should be able to instantly really see what the impact is on the rest of your supply chain without any delay. Be able to see that in, in real time. And that, that's the future of where the supply chain is going for me. I think that cascaded approach has just too much latency in it for, for the, the speed in which people have to make um, confident decisions the, uh, at, at the moment, and particularly for the future. I don't think it's necessarily going to be any different for the future. You know, if you think about it, probably supply chain leaders right now are getting questions left, right, and center, or themselves of asking course. questions, yeah. aren't they? So it must be very difficult for them not to have the answers about what's gone down, maybe in their second tier of suppliers or somewhere down the line in in their supply chain. It must be very difficult for the CEOs as well to not be able to give answers as to what went wrong. How, how, how can you work in a situation like this or what can you do to solve a problem like that? Some companies are three quarters of the way along that journey in a lot of ways. In Connectus, we talk a lot about concurrent planning. And what we really mean by concurrent planning is having an always on synchronized supply chain end to end. So you can have all of the data insights at your fingertips with all of the relative constraints that are um, um, associated with that to be able to make the right decision aligned with your strategic objectives in that particular moment and then be able to look down uh, backwards in time and forwards in time to simulate different possibilities about what the future could look like. Um, You know, we have customers that walk into their office in the morning. um, P&G was a great example that shared their story online recently. And Pedro Noriega, who's the North American supply chain leader um, for P&G, that he would come into the office on a on the morning and he would take him until at least lunchtime with multiple conversations with multiple people to work out what happened yesterday and then they would <laughs> and then they would sit down and work out which problems they were going to solve that day because even if they could solve all the problems they just didn't have the time before the day ended and he would then make those decisions and spend the rest of his afternoon writing love letters or responding to the love letters, as he calls them, to the commercial leaders who had spent the last 24 hours shouting at him for messing up his business or their business. And he said, look, moving forward four, four years later, he comes into work, he has a dashboard of what's happening across his entire business, what issues they've got in the, in the factories, the, the revenue for their suppliers, the KPIs for his, for his largest customers. And he can see that without speaking to anyone. 
And then they have a, what they call a power 15, which is a 15 minute meeting to decide what they're going to focus on for the day. And 80% of that meeting is talking about how they solve tomorrow's problems not necessarily solving yesterday's problems because yesterday's problems were already managed in more real time. And for him, then he can take those future looking solutions to potential issues to the business and say, look, we're going to have these potential challenges. These are the five things we can do to, 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 to change that. Which one would you like to do? So he's adding value to their life and he's adding value to shareholder um, to the bottom line. And that's the new way. That's this world of, that's what it means to have that synchronized always on supply chain. But it seems, it seems like a panacea really for some people, you know, the yeah. idea of the end to end connected supply chain and to gain visibility. But, you know, you're absolutely right. A lot of times people are having meetings to discuss something that was a problem yesterday without realizing that what the next problem is going to be for tomorrow. They might be repairing something that is going to be broken tomorrow anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. And they get me, you know, lots of companies still use a lot of spreadsheets. When you're a supply chain leader or you're slightly your planner, you don't necessarily want to spend the first few hours of your day digging around in spreadsheets, trying to find the data just so that you can start to find insights so you can then start to make decisions. If you have that data at your fingertips, um, you can start focusing on problem solving far quicker on a day to day basis, which you would imagine must give people better, better careers and better enjoyment of the day. Well, not only that, but I mean, we are living an example right now of absolute volatility and Correct. crisis that yeah, nobody true. could have predicted. So you're only as good as the information that you currently have, right? And if you mm -hmm. don't hold a lot of information, then I bet you there are a lot of leaders right now, whether they're supply chain or board directors that are scratching their heads, very, very worried about the fact that they don't hold all the facts, right? Absolutely. And you know, the fact that you, if it takes you 24 hours or longer to understand what those facts of today are, the facts will have changed by the time you've got them. But eliminating or getting rid of volatility is impossible, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's about, that's the, I suppose, it's not about trying to remove the volatility. It's about becoming more agile in order to react to volatility and be able to, to pivot more quickly um, away from the danger. I think that's the that's the key message here for me is that if if you have the data at your fingertips, you can um, make faster decisions to move away from the challenges that you're facing or come up with alternative roads to to solve them. You know, and, and I bet you there are things that happen like 10 times a day that people are not normally able to predict because they're focusing on the end of the day reporting or to, you know, yesterday's reporting, tomorrow's reporting. Is there a mechanism that you guys have or that you know of where you're able to get instant information about different signals so that you can adjust to it and be agile? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we do in a lot of ways. Um, it's having that control tower view across your whole operation so you can see things happening more in real time and then either go and have a meeting and talk to the people that you needed to make a decision about what you're going to do about it and simulate different ways that you can solve that problem make a choice, implement it and action it and execute it. Sounds, it sounds like a dream to, to, to lots of people. And there's, um, it's a journey for sure. To have that data at your fingertips is really game changing in the way that you can think about your business. It's game changing in the way that you can structure and structure your business processes and the way you can structure your organization. You know, if you have that end-to-end -end visibility, do you really need demand planners and supply planners? You may be able to have a network planner. You know, we have um, the concept of the network planner, which is 
is exactly that. It's having one person because they have a view up and down the supply chain, they have responsibility in a, in a KPI that's completely different to the more standard traditional model. And that just gives them more flexibility in what they're able to, to decide. So let me ask you about people, right? We talk about uh, technology. There's a great deal of opportunity right now with implementing different types of technology and gaining visibility. How do you see the role of a supply chain planner evolving? Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I think there's, um, I hear a lot in the market at the moment about AI and ML, for example, that AI and ML is going to replace the planner. Um, I don't think that's true. I think, you know, personally, and also at Connectus as a whole, we think, you know, people matter, maybe an old fashioned way of thinking about it, but I think, you know, AI and ML and technology is there to automate the mundane and enable you to augment the, the, the human in a lot of ways, to give the human the ability to be able to answer the difficult questions because the AI or the technology can, can automate a lot of the stuff that happens on a regular basis so that you can have the human dealing with the difficult problems and the disruption. You know, I think nothing sucks life more out of a planner than um, having to spend their day um, looking around in the, in the data for, for insight. What they want to do and what they train to do is really to solve some of these big, difficult problems and they use the creativity that people are so well known for. For me, I think that's, that's how the role is going to change. I think it's, it's important that it also changes that way. There's a well-known lack of skills in the marketplace for supply chain. There's not enough people coming out of university. And if you are lucky enough to be able to grab onto that really good talent, how do you keep them? And, you know, you, to keep them, you have to give them interesting jobs and meaningful careers. And if they're spending all of their time looking around on spreadsheets for insight, not solving problems after just, you know, spending a lot of time and effort training themselves to be great at solving complex supply chain um, challenges, then they're likely to go elsewhere. And I think for me, it's really important that, you know, supply chain, the role of the supply chain practitioner has the ability, you know, is, an, is enabled to go that way so that we can give supply chain, the younger supply chain people coming through uh, more meaningful careers by enabling them to solve these difficult challenges. I mentioned P&G earlier. They have this concept of a citizen developer, and that's a planner who's got access to insights, who's got more time to look at innovative ways to solve the challenges that P&G is facing um, that they hadn't had time to think of, going back to your point. you know, Some of these challenges aren't necessarily... You just don't have enough time to, to get to them. And creating this concept of a citizen developer is enabling their planners to use their, their creativity, use the information at their fingertips to add additional value to the bottom line, which makes them want to stay. Well, I was just going to say that. I mean, we've always felt that supply chain's got a bit of an image issue, doesn't it? You know, it's seen as a back office or warehousey type of job, kicking boxes around some sort of dark recess of a warehouse. And then on top of that, when you're not in the warehouse, you're sort of, you know, just stuck in your nose into an Excel spreadsheet. So how, how can companies look to retain top talent or attract young millennial talent into their business? How, how would you recommend that? Well, I think they need to... Um tap into the pool of talent that's there and give them, as I say, it's all about giving them a, meaning, a, meaningful, a meaningful job and enabling them to use the technology that they've, their, you know, their experiences working with in their day-to-day -day life will be Google, it will be, um, you know, social media, the access to data is at your fingertips. We're all used to using our mobile phones for pretty much everything. You know, if you're walking into a company and then using technology from 20 years ago, I can't imagine millennial employees would be that accepting of that 
environment. So again, I think it's all about creating that innovative culture um, and having a company that's focused on the future. So I think, I think not only is implementing this kind of solution something that's going to be valuable for real-time decision-making, it's also something that will create the right kind of culture to ask the right types of questions, to be able to predict the future, if anything, as much as you possibly can, which is something that's exciting for young millennial talent to come into the business. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, I've had the privilege of talking to quite a lot of people in this uh, FinTV show. There are a lot of people talking about unintended benefits or consequences of this crisis. And amongst them are the possibilities of creating, well, getting the supply chain right. Yeah. And so looking at different business models and looking at sustainability as something that is is top of the agenda. How have your customers changed their approach to sustainability? Well, I think, you know, has, I've seen it over the last 10 years, companies that were starting on this sustainability drive were trying to solve the sustainability problem, if you want, if for the lack of a better um, phrase, in parallel to normal business. And it was always a separate um, stream and therefore was never really seen as something that could also impact the bottom line and could also impact business and I think that's definitely changed over the last few years and we've seen lots of companies announce sustainability objectives over the last six to eight months and I think that's because they're realizing that it's not just the right thing to do it's also good for the bottom line you know we have whether it's about reducing reducing plastic and creating kind of the circular economy with Unilever or working with TerraCycle to do you remember the old milk bottles of yesteryear where you would leave your your empty milk Mm. bottle outside and it would get picked up and refilled Um, They're looking at models of ways to do that with shampoo and everything else, because actually we all want to be sustainable. We um, we just like convenience. So it's about how do you model the two? And for them, it's enabling them to open up different markets, different demographic markets and consumers. I would say as well, though, that if you're agile and you're making faster decisions, you're creating less waste. That would be one side of things. So agility but also visibility, going back to the very basic concepts of even transformation of the supply chain that make you more operationally efficient. Um, if you, you can't change what you can't see. Mm-hmm. So if you're more, if you have more end-to-end visibility and if you have more ability to make agile decision-making, you will have less, less expedites just by the nature of the fact that you're not having to rush things from one place to another because you haven't seen the problem in time. Um, you'll be creating less waste because you're um, planning more efficiently. You'll be getting rid of less redundant stock <laughs> for the same reason. Just doing those simple things can help companies be significantly more sustainable before you get to the more, um, I guess, advanced maneuvers of sustainability, whether it's changing data centers and I guess all the other things you can do, which linking back to what we were talking about before, you know, it's also a a good way to retain talent. You know, young, young, the younger generation are more hooked into the need to be sustainable to protect the future. I think as leaders, we're more tapped into it. We have children and we want to protect the future. So there's this kind of combining of all of these different streams that can all be managed together and they should be managed together or one will always be left behind. You know, you can become operationally efficient, save money, be more cost-effective and be sustainable It doesn't have to be a choice. You can make business decisions aligned with those different objectives in the supply chain if you have the data at your fingertips. It sounds like having that data is absolutely key. I'm sure that in your job, you've had the opportunity to see a number of different industries roll this kind of thing out. Can you, obviously, without giving us a a lot of uh, or any names or anything, think of any bad examples of where thing not having this kind of visibility can go wrong? 
Well, I think we see it every day and not necessarily in, in our customer base, but I think it, right now we're seeing the perfect example of that. You know, the, the lack of visibility and the lack of predictability of the world means that you don't have all of the stock that you need in the right place. Um, you know, we have customers, well, not customers, but people we're talking to that are um, make hand sanitizer or, uh, or masks or um, bread makers. Having all the data at your fin- fingertips when it's moving as fast as it's moving today and yeah. the volatility is changing across the supply chain at all times um, in every direction. I think that's, we're in a very unique scenario right now. I think the, what we need to think about is when this is over, because it will be over um, and we will eventually be out and about being able to meet face to face. It's how do you prepare your company for the future? And how do you prepare your company to make sure that when things do go back to normal, what does that new normal look like? And how can you start to prepare to make sure that you have whatever the market and the consumers will need. Do you think that a supply chain in the post-COVID world that doesn't embrace this kind of end-to-end visibility will have much luck? I think it's going to be really hard. I think we've seen that already. I think the disruptions that have happened over the last 10 years are encouraging companies to to be more agile. I think it's definitely becoming an... It was becoming a board-level objective before COVID-19. Um, I don't see how it could not be moving forward. You know, I think it's, it's very clear that um, the supply, supply chains have been built up and adapted as processes for many of the right reasons over time, but the future is not going to look the same. And I think we've realized that um, the way that supply chains are um, structured right now isn't necessarily the way they will be structured in the future. And a company needs to be agile enough to adapt to those ongoing changes. I don't, there's no fixed point in time anymore. It's an ever moving beast. You can say that again. (laughs) What advice would you give to supply chain leaders today when things, when the dust starts to settle a little bit, you know, and as I think we're seeing people are slowly adjusting to the new normal, but what advice would you give them? I suppose the cheeky answer is come and talk to Connexus, but (laughs) (laughs) I think talk to your peers in supply chain. There's lots of um, organizations that, you know, you can introduce them to, we could introduce them to, who are maybe further ahead in the, the there is no end point in this journey. I don't think it's, it is an ongoing journey and battle that everyone will face to become as agile as possible, but everyone's on a different stage in that journey. So reach out to your peers and find out what they're doing and how they're transforming their companies because technology is, is one part of that transformation. It's an enabler of that transformation. But, you know, you have to take the people with you. There's maybe a cultural change, as you said, about how you um, structure your company. How do you drive that top-down culture to enable innovation and enable that change? Whether it's a change in org structure or change in process, all those things are maybe necessary to kind of keep moving forward. But it's not a one-bang approach. It's a step-by-step approach that will add value as it, as it goes. So for me, I think you know, re- the best conversations I've seen are between peers who um, are cross-industry peers, particularly that can share ideas. And I think that, um, that will also give you confidence that the road you're on, you're not alone because you're not alone. Everyone, and everyone in supply chain is going through or thinking about going through this journey right now. I think one of the other things that's important to take note uh, that, we, we, that we've just been talking about is that volatility is not gonna go away. Is it? So do you think that the supply chain planners, the supply chain leaders of the future have just got to get a better handle of all the information that's out there in real time 
I just think that helps, you know, I mean, look at the example I gave at the beginning. If you have the information at your fingertips are as close to real time as you can get, you can focus in increasing percentage steps on the future and planning um, what might happen and coming up with mitigation strategies for that rather than constantly running after yourself because um, you're always trying to solve yesterday's problems. Um, And COVID-19 is a prime example of sometimes it just happens that way and you know you have to you can't always predict the future but you know with whether it's hurricanes or or things that we can are a bit more predictable if you can see what's coming you can make choices to say well if the hurricane goes right what's the impact if the hurricane goes left what's the impact and how do i move my stock accordingly depending on what happens so you can plan ahead and at least be a little bit more prepared for for, for what might happen do you think that People are, supply chain leaders now are taking it, I guess, given the circumstances, taking this seriously. Have you seen a change in people's approach to planning in the last year? Yeah, I think there's, there's been a, a steady shift over the last five years, I would say. Okay. Um, and I think that's um, due to the nature of the world has just become more unstable, more volatile, you know, whether it's the tariffs from Trump or, or any other disruption. I think that's certainly been having an impact. I think also the, the technology that we all use on our day-to-day lives is, is always on information at our fingertips. You know, if you, if you can deliver a package from here to Count Bastion, if you're in the army and, uh, and you're Amazon and you can track it from A to B, why can't I have that information in my, the rest of my supply chain? Why can't I have that in my professional life? And I think that's just all part of this digitalization and transformation of, of companies. And it's, you know, it takes time to, to transform whether it, companies of the size that we're talking about in a lot of cases. But that's the, you bring up a really interesting point here. As consumers, because consumers, uh, we've noticed a world of change in shopping and uh, the way that we interact with our shops in what, just in five years, in 10 years, yeah. you know, if you think about what we expect from consu- as consumers from Amazon uh, who have set the pace, do you think that that's had a real impact in what we expect from our professional lives? That's question one. And question two, has it caught up or is it catching up? I'm going to reverse your questions. And I think, yes, it's definitely catching up, but it is having an impact. You know, I was at Logi Pharma even, what, three years ago. And in the pharma industry, they were still talking about the, um, the Amazon effect on supply chains and how is that going to impact the future? And how does that <clears throat> impact our expectations considering the personalization of pharmaceuticals is becoming a reality? So the more we, the more pharma companies get in touch with and touch the end consumer rather than having to go through a um, you know a more standardized process that meet the expectations of that interaction are set by how quickly you can get things from Amazon and I think that consumerization of of everything we touch is is definitely going to is is, is an added pressure um, and to what companies are having to deliver along with sustainability and the hundreds of other things they're having to focus on but no absolutely so all in all I think as we've been talking about, the supply chain planner of the future is, or the supply chain leader of the future has got to be more agile, has got to have more visibility, and has really got to make better decisions based on having some sort of end-to-end visibility. Would you agree to that? Yeah, I think having, having an organization and infrastructure that enables them to make more agile decisions, for sure. And that, that is all about having visibility about what's happening across your end-to-end supply chain. And you know, the supply chain adds value to the to, show, to the bottom line and um, it's time it's it, it's time it's recognized as that rather than just as a cost center you know it is a competitive advantage for all companies 
Well, here's here's the the, the question that's going to that's on everybody's mind. How realistic is this? Because I talk to a lot of people that say this is a moonshot. This is a oh, I would love to have end-to-end visibility. I'd also like to uh, I don't know win the lottery or be ten inches taller. <laughs> you know, is this is this really something that that can be done? It's something that is being done. You know, I like that. I happily introduce anyone who wants to talk to our customers. But like I say, it's a journey. You know, I think the moment you can have the information, you can simulate things and get the answer in a few seconds or a few minutes, and you've been doing that for a couple of years, suddenly that's not fast enough anymore. So I think there's always a there's always a progression on what we could do to get better as as companies. But it's you know that transformation is happening. Uh, there are lots of organisations across multiple industries that are going through this transformation that you know we'll happily talk about it and it's small small steps um the more visibility you get the more you know where your problems are and the more you can solve them well on that note thank you claire for uh, joining us i really appreciate it and i think our uh, our viewers will get some valuable information if anybody wants to get more uh information from claire i'll put a link onto the uh, uh the episode so you can reach out to the people at Canaxis. Thank you so much. Thanks, Maria. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again at the next uh, episode, I'm sure. Take care. <laughs> Look forward to it. Bye-bye. All right. Take care.